Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. We're a charity that helps people facing the end of their lives to write and record their own original songs. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. You can also look us up on our very social media channels, which will be in the description of this episode. The podcast features a range of songwriters and I have a conversation with them about, about their craft. We talk about one of their songs, how they wrote it. Uh, the show is a songwriting tip. And we also talk about a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features TJ Norton. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so today I'm here with TJ Norton. Thanks for joining me, TJ. Hi, Ben. TJ is coming to us all the way from LA. He's an old friend of mine from, from around here who moved out. Is LA, isn't it, you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in Culver City in Los Angeles. So you're nice. So yeah, um, looking forward to catching up a bit and talking some songwriting with you. Uh, people who have seen and listened to these podcasts before, you know, we do them in three sections. First, we're going to have one of my guest songs. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote that. Then section two, TJ is going to share with us a songwriting tip. And then section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to TJ in some way related to bereavement. So uh, I'll ask you to introduce your song for us, please, TJ. Uh, my song is called Ain't Your Train. And this version is just vocal and harmonica. There's a there's a, a heavier musical version, but I thought it would be nice to do the stripped down version for you. this train it ain't your train is it this train it ain't your train well I saw you staring across the dish over there you look so drunk that you didn't even care I saw you staring across the dish over there where you look so drunk that you didn't even care I said this train it ain't your train said this train it ain't your train Well, I saw your mama in the carriage next door Getting real tight with a man who ain't you pass it I saw your mama in the carriage next door She was getting tight with a man who ain't you pass it This train It ain't your train 
Did this train? It ain't your train. Let's go. Did this train? It ain't your train. Said this train? It ain't your train. Well, I saw your sister in a sleeper car. She was moaning and groaning with two boys from the bar. I saw your sister in a sleeper car. She was moaning and groaning with two boys from the bar. Said this train. It ain't y'all train. Is it this train? It ain't y'all train. Let's take it home. Okay, brilliant. So that was Ain't Your Train by TJ Norton. Are you still doing, is it still TJ in the suitcase you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm updating it. I'm working on a lot of other material that to, to kind of make it broader and more modern, but I'm still keeping, keeping that name because it's relevant. There's a reason I've got that name for the solo act. Yeah. Is that because you still use the suitcase for the percussion? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, basically, yeah. I had I started with that old World War Two cardboard suitcase that everyone, you know, the evacuees used to get, and I've still got that. But um, I just like the idea of uh, 
the theory of being able to pack everything into a bag and go as a, as a musician. Yeah. So that's kind of, I've had to do that in my life as well. I have had to <laughs> pack whatever I had left of my life into a bag and go a number of times. So, <laughs> so it's relevant. Yeah. It's handy in my handy when that bag can then become part of your musical act as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So uh, what can you tell us about writing uh, in your train? Did you write it just harmonica like that? Just harmonica and voice? Or did you write it with other, other things in mind? Uh, actually, yeah, I wrote it with, um, with harmonica and voice and uh, the suitcase drum and uh, the tambourine pedal thing that I made. Uh, the wooden pedal that beats the tambourine with my left foot. And then, as you know, that I have a suit an old suitcase that has a drum pedal on it that stands upright on the floor and uh, that goes on my you know my right foot hits that so it was it was made to be pretty stripped down and it came from sp uh, spiritual an old spiritual and um, that idea so uh, there's there's a there's a famous old spiritual called this train that I'm sure you know mm. And there's a whole bunch of others. I listened to a lot of that stuff and I found some pretty obscure, like um, there's a couple of harmonica playing preachers from, you know, decades ago. And uh, I was just blown away by them because they were, you know, full on Southern preachers in the US from, there's a, there's a few others, but you know, from sort of the twenties onwards and uh I don't know, it was so powerful. I, I think stripped down music's really powerful. I really like acoustic music and real bare bones roots, roots music. So this this song, Ain't Your Train, came from the idea of a, of a spiritual. Uh, and as you know, because I'm kind of known as a blues player, the, uh, the train, uh, the image of a train and traveling on the train has a lot of different connotations. And obviously we have... Uh, um, black slaves in America, African slaves that escaped, and not only African slaves, but you know, black slaves, white slaves, Chinese slaves, you name it, that escaped uh, from the southern states and jumped the freight trains and traveled up to the cities in the north later or just away. There's also um, story, people would use the train story as a, as a, as a way of turning things into song in um, kind of disguise in code and slaves would use code in songs and, and in Christian, um, what Christian music, which turned into gospel and um, because that's what they were allowed to sing. And then as you know, in blues lyrics, lyrics would get, uh, would, would tell you something if you knew what the code was mm. in lots of the famous, you know, in lots of the famous songs. You know, in Muddy Waters songs, Howling Wolf songs, like Buckle White, you name it, Sun House, all these old songs come were communications. So I thought I'd kind of turn it around a bit. And, um, you know, the, the train to glory is a classic, a classic image of, uh, you know, doing right and going to going to heaven, the passage, the passage through good to heaven. Um, so I thought I'd turn it around a bit and uh, make a song about a journey you don't want to go on. Mm. 
like a path not to take. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and also a lot, a lot of these early um, blues songs, the, the really early blues songs, um, especially in the 20s and 30s were really risque. Like now they're much, much tamer, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, you're very aware of blues and you're a really good blues guitarist and you're, you know, you write some really great songs. So I know you know about this stuff. Like the, a lot of the 20s and 30s blues was really edgy. I mean, I play stuff to people now and they're like, whoa. <laughs> so, uh, and there's a lot of fun in it and there's a lot of joy in it as well. And there's, it's raw and they'll take, um, they'll take subject matters and twist them around. And, you know, like a lot of them things could, could be, uh, a lot of them songs and lyrical content could be related m closer to what would be hip hop today. And yeah. they're less mainstream now, but. So, so I figured, um, you know, I took some bits out of my life from where I used to, you know, commute to London and back and use I used to use trains a lot and sometimes gets, you know, get stuck after the last train if we'd all been out in London and we had to get back to Essex where I'm from and we would jump on the milk train if we'd like give, give the driver some beers or whatever. And <laughs> I just, some, you know, you know, like you get the last train home on a Friday night from a big city and there's some craziness going on. There's a lot of drunk people <laughs> and there's a lot of madness going on. So I mixed some of that in there and made, and, and really the story of the song that, that isn't stated is this is this could be a journey journey that you don't really want to take mm. does that make sense yeah yeah that's really good yeah we like it and that's that was your kind of starting point of like, yeah i like that idea just then flipping something in and telling like um yeah just that alternative way of looking at it it's really good i remember someone saying to me one time before that you can make any blues sound better by adding a train to it <laughs> <laughs> right that's like the most popular song i've ever done yeah yeah it's crazy yeah yeah it's a good one and the train like the harmonica's associated a lot with the train as well in there that's something i was associate anyway of that the both the you know, the image of people sat on trains playing harmonicas but the rhythm you get with the is that train style rhythm isn't it that's quite common with harmonica oh yeah playing. yeah it's huge like that's how i that's how i personally learned to play harmonica yeah was by copying the super basic you know four note or it starts as a two note train rhythm but basically a four four bait you know just a straight four on the floor like and then you learn from that and people used to if you go way back to people like deford bailey and a whole bunch of other players um you know american blues players the their their training impressions are mind-blowing yeah and they could circular breathe and and they would put in like sounds of dogs chasing foxes and they didn't you know they do impressions of all these sounds while while doing that train with them so if anyone's interested in that you can throw back to um all them guys there's a guy called joe felisco who's a very famous harmonica player and uh, an authority on the history of blues and harmonica he's also one of the world's best harmonica customizers and he's a guy to like YouTube search. Oh, nice, yeah, so look at that. Yeah, it's an amazing instrument. I always love, I've always been a fan of doing a lot with a little <laughs> and the harmonica is kind of one of the main, the best examples of that, of such a small instrument that you can do so much with. Welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it like uh, writing with, you know, for such a minimalist arrangement? Is that something that you've 
you've always done when you've written or like did you used to write because you, you know you've had various bands in the past um what's what's it been like writing in such a minimalist way and like does it affect your writing at all or do you i guess like do you like like the challenge of doing it that way um it's a combination of things really i'm thinking it's a, yeah it's a combination of things it, in some ways it's much more difficult because i don't have a i don't have a writing partner so i can't i can't sit down with a guitarist or a keyboard player or anyone else it's just me in your old bands did you do a lot more of that of co-writing then of yeah totally yeah. this in theory is so much easier mm. um, because i'm not a guitarist or a keyboard player so so there's that so i tend so i tend i tend to work off of um rhythms and i don't i don't really know how common that is or not common i i really don't know because it's kind of just what i have to do mm. so yeah i'll work off of most most of the time i'll get a rhythm like a drum track in my head or or just a beat you know i'll get a beat and i'll like that and then i'll um, start working off of that or I'll get you know or I'll get an idea as you know writing songs is weird stuff comes from wherever you'll see something you'll hear something or you'll wake up and so there's something in your head and you have to quickly get out of bed and get it down like <laughs> now I run into my music room and uh, put it down on my new setup which is a uh, it involves a whole bunch of effect pedals and a loop pedal and the loop pedal really helps because I can put the drum beat down because I have a little drum unit that I do with my feet, so it's kind of moved on, but it's essentially the same thing. And I can record the drum beat and get that down, and then I can record a bass line through an octave pedal, so and blah, blah, blah. So I can get that down, and then I work off of that, and I'll just scribble down whatever words come out, like just scribble it all down as, just to get it out of my head. And then I'll... And then... I'll work the track out uh, on the loop station and the and the effects, put the basic thing down, make some nice sounds that I like. And then I leave that running and then I let it run and see what my head does. And then I'll keep reading through and then you start the process of stripping stuff down, trying to make it better and figuring out a chorus or, or the, you know, as you know, often the, the first words you get end up as the chorus mm. or there's yeah. that repeated hook or, so yeah it's in that way it's easier so so in one way it's harder because there's no one else to work off of but in that way it's easier because i can just do it in my own space and time i don't have to wait for anyone else yeah yeah i've forgotten that you were doing the loop stuff um and it just came back to honest you're talking about it was where before before you moved away there was one time you came and helped out with the workshop i was doing i was doing a project working with young offenders around here yeah and you came and did a performance for us one time when you were start. you think you just started doing it then doing the loops so i remember all the group were just hypnotized with it i remember thinking at the time this is gonna be great they're gonna love dj oh, really that's love, good <laughs> yeah i remember you were you demoing to them all how, how you do it and they were obviously uh, just loving they could make a sound and then repeat it and play with all that stuff remember that it was yeah, in the church well. in Jewsby, i think it was yeah, I think I think there's. I saw a picture of that actually not that long ago. Something mm. popped up. It'll be on social media on Facebook. Memories probably. or something. Yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah, about that, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> it's yeah, a helpful. But... It's helpful for writing songs. Like the loop yeah. pedal is helpful for. I like for me because I don't have an, don't have an instrumentalist with me, and I 
because I don't play an instrument that is, you know, basically a keyboard or a guitar. So, yeah. And that's another thing that I was going to ask you, uh, following on from that is, um, is yeah, how, so do you used to look pedal when you play live now? Or are you still, are you doing the strip down? So that's what I was going to ask you is what's it like, like doing the TJ and the suitcase stuff. I mean, you used to have to have your suitcase, you know, your tambourine pedal and the harmonica and the voice as well like keeping track of everything that you're doing. <laughs> is that ever an issue of the, the amount of multitasking you're trying to do at the same time? Or is it something uh, you get used to? No, keep, no, no. Like with the, t with, the with the first, you know, the original incarnation of TJ and the suitcase, which like you've seen it, so you know what it is, but for everyone that hasn't seen it, it's just me singing, playing harmonica, acoustic, and through a small, valve amplifier and then I the suitcase with the drum pedal on on my right foot and the, the tambourine beater pedal on my left foot so so both feet are going you know voice is going harmonica's going um no I have a, I always have a set list um you know I always have a set list and I always have it on the floor uh I know some people don't but so that uh so that I have a plan mm. um I deviate from the plan sometimes, depending on how the crowd is reacting. Um, and the songs, I can shorten the songs or stretch them out. Because they're, you know, I have a set list probably, I probably have a three hour set list for that of mostly old blues tunes, because that's what went down well. And, and they're not all the ones that people would know. Some of them are, you know, there's a few in there, but a lot of them aren't and, and the thing I do with the harmonica uh, playing because is because there's no like guitarist is I play I play really rhythmically I play a lot of rhythm I play a lot of rhythm and then uh, and then I throw throw in lead lines or I'll do a solo when the need needs to be but my solos even can consist ma mainly of rhythm if you really listen to them they're rhythm tracks with some standout riffs so 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 now actually i can i keep the 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 uh, drum patterns really super basic with mm. the, that that setup and uh and i just work off of what's happening in the moment like they're, they're really basic but that was kind of the idea in the first place yeah yeah yeah, it's great. I'll put a link to one of your videos in the description so people watching this can go and see a, a, yeah, a full um, TGN suitcase style. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Thing would be cool. Um, yeah, really good. Um, there was one thing I was going to mention there, but I can't remember what it was now. Oh, yeah, just the that one of the another benefit of when you do things by yourself, like you say, you can lengthen or shorten songs. Well, I mean, you can get a little band as well, can't you? But there's a, a bit of freedom, a bit more freedom, I guess, when you're by yourself to. <laughs> improvise where the song's going to go yeah totally and uh, and yeah no you can do it well you can do it with your band yeah because you're like, playing together and you work together really really well as a unit and you know each other so well musically like then it works but if you're if you don't have that it's it's difficult yeah. like i've found i've found that uh, and i and i also think from my point of view sometimes like it's not fair on other musicians unless you're that tight. Yeah. If you've got that tight of a communication and uh, as, as musicians on stage, then it's cool. 
and you've done that stuff, you know, with with uh, Crosscut Sorry, I used to play with in Leeds. Um, after not very long, we had a communication that worked the same as your band, and we could. So, so, so there there was times where you know the bass amp broke, or like I vividly remember doing like a twenty minute solo, <laughs> just me and the drummer, like <laughs> you know, get off stage and climb on the bar and walk out the back, and you know. <laughs> Uh, so you can do that stuff if you've got the right people, but obviously solo, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And that depends, like, what you have to know the songs well to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember hearing uh, about John Lee Hooker, would apparently, apparently he wouldn't rehearse with his pickup bands. So, you know, these musicians that he just pick up on, you know, <laughs> wherever he was starring, there was someone to get a band for him, and he wouldn't rehearse with them. And he said, yeah, if they're not good enough to follow me, I don't want them playing with me. <laughs> so he and, just... Um, and yeah. he just he just you know he just do whatever he wanted and they just had to be completely on the ball and I mean that'd be a hard, that'd be an intimidating job to get picked up by John Lee Hooker and <laughs> I've done it not for John Lee Hooker but I've done I used to play uh, for another old American blues man in uh, in England mm. uh, and I've played for a few people here as well and it's, yeah it's that it's it a big part that. of the yeah it's a big part of the blues kind of tradition isn't it of that of of people playing together in that way and that there's so much more improvisation than there is in other genres, I guess. I think so. Yeah. 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 I've had that. I've definitely, definitely had that experience a number of times. Sometimes it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like it's awesome. There's awesome moments. There's the most, sometimes it's amazing, but there's other times where I've played for one person in particular who was an incredible artist and you know, the, tr the traditional old black African-American blues artist an incredible guitarist could play more with one hand on the neck than i know pretty much anyone can play with two hands on a guitar mm. just mind-blowing but completely unpredictable like he would literally we would do i've done gigs with him where he's constantly told the band wrong tempos wrong keys just deliberately to throw the band out or he's done it to me like when we used to play duo gigs sometimes and then you know there's no set list. It's just like, it'll just turn around and go, right, G, and, and then and it'll be A or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah! <laughs> oh, man. It's good fun, eh? Good fun. It's good to um, learn. It's a good way. It's a, it's a scary way of learning, but it teaches you a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, let's move into section two, shall we? I'm just aware of, yeah. uh, of, of your time. Um, so section two is where I ask my, my guests to share with a songwriting tip. Might be useful for the songwriters. So, uh, what would your tip be for us, DJ? Uh, my tip would be to keep it, keep your idea really simple. Um, like I explained about the train song, like it come from a really simple idea of of the uh, of the train being used as some kind of vision of a journey, whatever that is to you. It's just really simple, and then I just twisted it round. Mm. I kind of flipped it round. And that was it. And then work off of that, work off something really simple because songwriting, like personally, I find songwriting really intimidating. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it's a constant learning process and I'm, I'm around now here, I'm around some ridiculously good songwriters. <laughs> like it's, and, uh, you know, you, as a musician, as an, any kind of artist, you know that you do something and it's never good enough. Like you do something and you put it out and then you go back to it and you're like, oh, I could have done this better and I could have done that better. And you can get so lost in that. 
so the songwriting thing can get can appear to need to be complicated or clever and it doesn't need to be yeah does that make sense yeah yeah it's really good and what i was thinking about there with it is that i think there's it's a funny thing so like you're saying you know keep it simple and like using your the ain't your train as an example but then when we talk about ain't your train like it's kind of and you can put it in that simple term but there's all that history and the different kind of things that we were talking about that kind of feeds into it so like even though like you might it's like a simple idea can can have a lot more to it as well like you know complicated stuff and that's the beauty of, of like good art i think a lot of times is it's kind of it's simple on the surface but it contains a lot more if that makes sense so like yeah, it makes total sense like you might not have been writing it with all these things man this is this is all the symbolism i'm doing here and this is what it's referencing but it but it, it is <laughs> it's just written in a, a simpler way does that make sense yeah, you know it, yeah that makes total sense to me like in order in order for something to be really deep and meaningful i think we have or i have to go towards the simplicity first to go to the sim the simplest idea first and then you know to, to use a cliche like it's like a seed and that grows into something yeah. much uh bigger and more profound than you would have thought hopefully yeah john yeah. prine i'll just have to say the words of john prine <laughs> oh as songwriters go i saw i saw john prine and sturgill simpson at the grammy museum downtown los angeles and in a really small room it's a really small room and they sit this particular uh, event they sit with the songwriters and they there's a really good interviewer who's one of the guys that runs the Grammy Museum, super knowledgeable, and they just sit down and talk. And they were talking about songwriting, obviously. And John Prine's, so I'm, I'm sure you're a John Prine fan, but <laughs> he is one that I like, I've kind of that slipped me by in a way. But he died recently, didn't he? Yes, yeah. And then, and what, yes, when that happened, I was kind of like, I need to get this. It sounds like, yeah, someone that I've. I've just there's a few where that happens where someone like you might hear the name every now and then or you might know a certain song and it's like I'll get into them at some point and then um he's just one that I've just not got around to delving into yet but I'm excited, I'm excited to do it it's a rabbit, it's a rabbit hole like, <laughs> I know I know that you'll dive into it now and uh yeah I did as well and and I'm still it's you know there's so much work there and his songwriting skills are mind-blowing uh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Is he kind of like Nashville country kind of stuff? Is that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Cunt will be classed as country. It's a huge influence on so many people, and mm. and probably the one of the most well known now would be Sturgill Simpson. And mm, I don't yes. know if you dived into Sturgill Simpson, but I've not deep dived yet. But I've listened to I've been to an album material that I've really liked. Um, but yeah, I keep another one that I keep me into listen tomorrow. Yeah, go to the go to the late show performance. There's a war song that they did. Was it The Late Show? I'm not getting an answer. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, it was Letterman. I think it was Letterman. I don't know. It was one. Of, I think it was The Late Show. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Like yeah. it's, it's one of the great joys. I mean, it's one of the things that, like, I love with, you know, speaking to people who are similarly, you know, deep into the music when you share those kind of, different things and interviewing people to different artists and, and it's one of the great places of doing this podcast really is like every guest then you know so many of them um the song that they've chosen for the third section what we'll get to in a second has been an artist i didn't know and i'm like this song's amazing how does not know about this 
I know me too all the time uh, like it happens to me so often like that that's why I'm in the John Prine thing right now because uh, I mean his name's come up you know over the years like you say you see that name you're like oh and then you don't have time or whatever and then when you do dive into these people there's just like never-ending list of incredibly talented <laughs> amazing musicians and artists and it's just it's just awesome i know for the rest of my life i'll be people will be going oh this song by that person and i'll dive in and i'm in another rabbit hole of amazingness yeah it's like even if no more music was made there's like we'd still have enough to keep finding out about but there's even it's even better because new stuff keeps getting made <laughs> so it's like it's just never, yeah, right. never gonna run out um it's bonnie prince billy's been my big one recently do you know bonnie prince billy no so he was one who uh, Nick Rafferty was on the podcast a while ago. Chose one of his songs, and it was one of them songs. I just I was just like, "What? This is amazing!" <laughs> and then oh, I mean, wow. and mainly he's, again, he's got loads of stuff. Um, but the, mainly the album, what that song's from, I was just listening to on repeat. I just can't get enough of it. But what happens as well a lot, I found with that, like, I imagine it's what's going to happen with John Prine, is when you when you start listening, to it, you're like, "I know this song. Oh, this is a great song. Yeah, I know this song. I've heard someone sort of division of this song." And that seems to happen a lot with great songwriters for me. When I get into their work, there's like there's loads of their songs. What I just I feel there's a lot of songs that are out there that I know and love, but I don't know who they're by. You know, I've heard them in a TV show. I've heard someone did a cover of it, and that's yeah, what I'm totally. expecting there. Uh, what happened with John Prine? Well, often they'll become often they'll become their song becomes really well known, but it isn't by them. Yeah, because someone else, you know, someone else covered it. Yeah, like, so Bonnie bon 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 Prince Billy, I just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Prince Billy, who I just mentioned, had uh, a song called I See a Darkness, what Johnny Cash did on one of his later albums. Oh, wow. <laughs> so obviously I knew that one because like, those like, later Johnny Cash albums I was just obsessed with. So that, that was that was one I was like, oh, you want Bonnie Prince Billy? That's, you know, yeah, having Johnny Cash do, do one of your songs is... <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll like him. He's, he's got some great stuff. Um, cool. So yeah, let's move into section three now, shows. This is where I ask my guests for a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. And what I do here is I put the link in the description. So if you're watching or listening to this podcast and you're not familiar with the song, you can go check it out on YouTube and come back and we can have a little chat about it. So uh, what song did you choose for us, TJ? Um, so I chose Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what can I say about it? <laughs> Well, what do you, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to ask first about that song or why I chose that song? I mean, I guess just, just why you chose it. What was it? Was it like, and was, what was a lot of people find with that question is that, that a lot of songs come to mind, but then there's one that kind of leads it. Um, is there a reason why that one stood out to you? Did it have a, a personal experience linked to it or? Uh, yeah, 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 I definitely, yeah, that song, um, my godmother was was uh living in ireland and she got sick she she had a brain tumor a, you know a stage four tumor and i went to i went to ireland to be with her i you know i hadn't seen her for quite a while and she was a huge music fan and she was also you know there's a, there's a reason she's my godmother because when i was a little kid growing up in essex on Canvey Island in Essex, um, her house was at the end of the street. You know, her houses weren't that far away. You know, we were like, I don't know, 10 houses away or something. And um, we were all kids running around in the street as as we used to, 
and her daughters and sons, you know, were our best friends. And, uh, you know, when I used to, when I'd get in trouble or whatever, like I'd run from my mum, like I'd run down to, her name's Pam, her, and I'd run to Pam. And she would be like my protector. <laughs> and uh, so, so we were really close. And uh, when I was young and she was my mum's best friend and, you know, my mum and dad were super close to her. And she was a really strong, she come from a very, very tough background. She was a super strong person. She was a fighter. Um, you know, she had a lot of rough times in her life. She, I mean, she started work in London at 14, age 14, on her own. Uh, you know, so she, she was, she'd been through a lot in her life. And she was a huge music fan and she was really positive towards other people. She did that kind of work and she was... Um, she was just really a like go for it person. So that was, you know, her, so, so she loved that song. Mm. And on a Friday night, like we were staying in the, in the little uh, cottage house, uh, her and her husband and me and whoever else was there. Cause as you know, Ireland's like super sociable. People would just turn up with bottles of whiskey <laughs> and, <laughs> And then uh, we would sit on a Friday night and um, it was like song night and just we'd take turns on who chooses the playlist and and drink wine or whatever and uh, and just get drunk and dance and jump up and down, scream, shout, whatever happened, you know. And and she like she did that up until up until just before she passed. So like I don't know. So, so that song, like that song just is always in my head when I think about her. Mm. So yeah. that it's very relevant to, to this podcast, to your podcast and the song, the Swan Song Project. Yeah. That's some, some beautiful memories. Uh, that's, yeah. Like, so, yeah, I've got connection family in Ireland and those memories sound very familiar to me as well. And they're just uh, really good times, aren't they? And people sharing, sharing yeah, music like that. There's something about, about, there's still something about Ireland and the Irish, particularly in Ireland, that I found that was um, old-fashioned in a good way. Like that deep connection of people, you know, like mm. I, I found that when my godmother passed and she passed at home, I was like, I was holding her hand when she passed. Mm in bed at home in the front room, you know, when you could see the fields outside the window and, and the cows breaking through the fence, coming into the front garden, <laughs> uh, like people just came. Like it, it was the, for me, it was a very strange experience, but a like really good experience. But people just, people just came. People just appeared and people walked for miles, literally and turned up and knocked on the door with arms full of food and a lot of whiskey. <laughs> I love Irish whiskey, but people just appeared. People didn't call up, you know, people did call up, but didn't call up and ask around. People just appeared because they had, they, they knew what grief was about and what this time was about. And then, <clears throat> sorry. And there's also something I wanted to say about that time of being with someone who was uh, terminally ill and knew they were going to go, you know, knew they were going to travel on and pass on is people don't talk about the fun and the laughter. And, I, and I've experienced that with a number of people I've known that were 
you know, that got sick and were going to pass is people the press and things don't often talk about talk about the joy that happens in that whatever that time that span of time is where you're with someone who's in that situation and and there was so much laughter there was obviously a lot of pain and a lot of you know and a lot of grief but there was so much laughter and joy and like music was a massive part of that like she wanted she was always playing music she would like turn the music on and you know, play some Van Morrison, play some Scott Walker, play some Johnny Cash, whatever. And uh, that was a really beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's great, TJ. It's, it's, yeah, like you say, like people, and it's sad when people kind of fear, when, you know, when someone's dying and someone's got terrible illness, that people, a lot of people might pull away and like be, be worried about it because it's sad. But like you say, because people, people don't lose their sense of fun and their sense of humor. Um, and yeah, yeah, you can have some really magic times with people. In, and there's, yeah. <laughs> I love you know, that kind of the, the really dark humor a lot of people get when they've kind of accepted the situation. And some, <laughs> some of the, some of the, yeah, you can have some, uh, some very good times. But yeah, lots of like very dark jokes <laughs> about the situation. Did yeah, you like, see, did you see there was one, um, I think it was an Irish guy, in fact. Um, it was something I saw online about this guy who, you know, when he knew, you know, knew that long left and he'd recorded, um, he'd recorded is him like doing this thing about like you know that he was he was still alive in his casket and he'd arranged for it to be played at his funeral so as the casket was lowered to the ground like you could hear he's like hey let me out, let me out. oh yeah i, I did see that you see that oh I wasn't that, that was, irish i think it was yeah i think that was irish that that yeah. doesn't surprise me at all coming from the irish they've got the most <laughs> incredible sense of humor and groundedness yeah oh that cracked me up to that one but yeah yeah people are uh, you know some great times with people right to the end and, and yeah. it's nice, like you see, I hear you talk about it then, and like seeing, like you know, they're clearly memories that mean a lot to you. And um, yeah, yeah, it's really nice to see and that like you had those times with uh, with those people. When oh yeah, I actually feel very lucky to have had that experience. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks a lot for your time, TJ. It's really nice catching up with you. Yeah, you're really welcome, mate. I'm really glad we got to talk. We should do this, uh, communicate more. Yeah, we should have a, have a non-podcast. We'll just have a music uh, chat sometime. <laughs> yeah, that would be rad. Like yeah. we can we can swap swap songwriters and stuff. Like, yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of people here. That's always, always good to know. Up to know now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to uh, hear about some of you people you come across out on your travels out there. Great stuff. Well, yeah, and uh, so thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, check out TJ's stuff. I'll put some links in the description, um, and I'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks a lot, TJ. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye now.